Speaker Yoshi Kun on Tuesday received a delegation of representatives from several European countries at the Legislative Yuen. Among them were parliamentarians from North Macedonia and Romania, as well as the partially recognized state of Kosovo. It marked the first time that a cross-country, cross-party delegation from the Balkans visited the legislature. The delegation was led by former Kosovo Prime Minister Abdullah Hoti, who pointed out that both Taiwan and Kosovo face challenges from an unfriendly neighbor. Let's hear from him. It happened that we share, we share the same faith. We have neighbors who are not very friendly towards us. But historically speaking, democracy always prevails and determination always prevails. So with my limited information, I can ensure you that you have supporters all over the world. Some are vocal, some are less vocal, but they fully support you. When your country declared independence, Taiwan was among the first to recognize you. Kosovo has a neighbor watching it closely like a tiger. Meanwhile, Taiwan is at the receiving end of military threats from authoritarian China. The 13-person delegation visited the Legislative Yuan also to watch a legislative interpolation session. They said they were very interested in the process, taking photographs and asking questions throughout. Hody, who is also a co-chair in the Interparliamentary Alliance on China, had sat with President Tsai Ing-wen the day before. During his meeting with her, he said preparations were being made to further cooperate with Taiwan. Defense contractor NCSIST has announced five new drone models, which it says improve on the range, attack, and reconnaissance capabilities over previous models. One model, an entirely new drone based on the design of the U.S.-made Switchblade drone, can be carried by soldiers and launched from anywhere. The institute said the drones will give the Army the tools it needs for a variety of scenarios. Drones of different types are lined up on display. The National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology held a press conference to share its progress in drone development. The NCSIST today announced the completion of five new types of drones. Among them is this model, an armed scout drone that can be carried by a single soldier, which has garnered lots of attention. The Institute's new scout drone, which has been likened to U.S. manufacturer Aerovironment's switchblade drone, is launched like a mortar. It can carry a high-explosive warhead for up to 10 kilometers. The Institute calls it a flying grenade that can take out valuable targets. It's carried by a soldier in the field and acts like a flying grenade. It's useful in attacking targets that come near the shore. We are already working on the next generation of this drone. The Institute has also developed a new version of its Jianxiang anti-radiation loitering munition drone, which can be fired from a launch vehicle and can use optical sensors and satellite data to hone in on moving targets. We have reached a very stable aerodynamic design through our research and development for the Jianxiang and have now developed a version with extended range that works with GPS satellite positioning. It can use sounds and imagery to identify targets. These drones will provide the army with the weapons it needs for different strike modes. NCSIST says its new drones feature advancements in both attack and reconnaissance capabilities. Its Albatross model used for naval reconnaissance is now in its second generation and has an extended range of 300 kilometers. Its radar has also been upgraded to improve performance. The smaller Cardinal series of drones has also received upgrades, including multi-axis motors on both sides allowing vertical takeoff and landing. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank continues to send ripples through global markets, including the Taiwan Stock Exchange. 
Finance stocks saw big losses on Tuesday, and so did big tech firms such as TSMC, UMC, and Largan Precision, which were under heavy selling pressure. Even shipping shares saw losses across the board. All in all, Taiwan shares closed down 200 points, or 1.29% at 15,360 points. Let's hear from an analyst. Finance stocks are bearish right now, so the decline in financial indexes is quite big. Another factor is the CPI posted by the U.S., because that could affect upcoming decisions from the Fed to raise interest rates by 25 or 50 basis points, or not at all. All of this can affect market trends. But it wasn't all losses, as two newly listed companies got a boost from their honeymoon period. Evergreen Aviation Technologies and JV Energy Technology got listed on the market on Tuesday. Shares of the former closed up 31.62% at 89.5 NT. Meanwhile, the latter closed up at 97 NT after reaching an intraday high of 103 NT. The National Palace Museum on Tuesday confirmed that almost 100,000 high-resolution images from its collection have been leaked by Chinese hackers. That's about one quarter of the museum's digital collection. According to the museum, the leak happened last June, and a research assistant has since been punished for the matter. The National Palace Museum says it will try to get the leaked images taken down from the relevant websites, saying there is nothing more it can do. Open up Taobao and search for Taipei National Palace Museum in Chinese, and you'll find high-resolution images of artifacts in the museum's collection selling for as little as 20 NT. Go on Baidu, and you'll even find some images downloadable for free. Last year, National Palace Museum came under fire after it allegedly tried to hush reports that staff had damaged physical artifacts. Now it's in the spotlight again for allegedly covering up a leak of images from its database by Chinese hackers. The relevant report from January 3, 2023 confirms that there was indeed a leak. An internal investigation found that about one quarter of the images have been leaked. That's one quarter of about 400,000 images, or just under 100,000 images. A research assistant surnamed Lin has been punished for the matter. The images were leaked in June last year, giving rise to criticisms that the museum had tried to sweep the matter under the carpet. It has also raised concerns over the museum's cybersecurity. We did not hush it up. We have been investigating the matter since then. Back in June, we dealt with the matter on the spot. They were too fast, though. In just one second, they were able to copy all those images. Right now, it seems like the high-definition images have between 20 and 30 million pixels. The hacker took them section by section and then put all of them together again using software. The images circulating are not the original high-definition files. The images are now circulating on Chinese web pages. The National Palace Museum says there is nothing it can do to stop the images from being copied. We are planning to get a lawyer to ask Taobao to take the images down on the grounds of an infringement of intellectual property laws. We've decided to ask the platform to take them down immediately. The National Palace Museum says it will take action to get the images removed. But with scandal after scandal, a shadow of doubt has been cast on the institution's approach to digitizing its collections. And now we head to Jai County to check out the City of Purple. It's wisteria season in Rayleigh's scenic area. 
tourists flock to this part of Alishan National Park to see the distinctive pur purple flower bloom. One local restaurant even puts wisteria on its menu. But there are lots of other attractions in the area too, from local specialty coffees to fireflies and spectacular views of the mountains. This hidden gem is a must visit for nature lovers. A tendril of wisteria hangs down like a waterfall. Visitors come to enjoy the dreamy landscape here in Rayleigh's scenic area. March to April is wisteria season, and it's a major highlight of Jai's calendar. It's like a dreamscape. I think the purple creates a kind of mysterious and soothing feeling. I'm from Malaysia. We only have fake wisteria there. No real wisteria. It's beautiful here. But the purple blossoms are not just for show. At this restaurant, they're also on the menu. Tofu is fried in the pan and doused in Rayleigh shiso plum sauce, then sprinkled with wisteria petals to make a gourmet dish that looks as exquisite as it tastes. Normally when we see wisteria, we just sniff its scent. It has a subtle, elegant fragrance. The heat of the cooking brings that fragrance out. The wisteria will be at its peak around March 15th, anytime before the end of the month. It should be lovely to come down and admire the wisteria. In recent years, Jai's premium coffee growers have garnered many awards. Tourists now come here just for the cafe culture that has grown up in recent years. And at this eatery, a new generation of owners are bringing coffee into an innovative menu. This cutlet has been slowly simmered to perfection. It's then bathed in Arabica coffee for an invigorating and mouth-watering dish. We have our own coffee plantation, our own coffee farm, so we thought we'd bring local ingredients into our food. Nearby is another plantation that grows tea, as well as the geisha variety of coffee beans. Visitors can sit outside under the shade of the coffee trees to enjoy an unparalleled view of the mountains while they sip their drinks. In the early days, we only grew tea. In recent years, we've also got into the coffee industry. When you come here and see the place, it's such a lovely and relaxing environment in which to sit and drink tea or coffee. And from this hotel, you can look out of the window straight down onto the fields of tea or up at the mountains. The owner says it's grounding and relaxing for mind and body. When you wake up, first thing in the morning, you can see the mountains far off and everything is lush and verdant. The air quality is great. Sometimes you can also admire a sea of clouds over the valley. It's the wisteria season now, and then in April and May, it will be the firefly season. For an evening activity, we take visitors to go and see the fireflies. For wisteria fans, now is the time to head to Jai. But if you're happy to admire the many other natural wonders of the mountains, this city of purple has something for everyone all year long. Taiwan on Tuesday reported four more local infections of mpox, the disease previously known as monkeypox. That's the third week in a row that Taiwan has detected patients who had acquired the disease in the country. To curb the spread of the disease, the CDC is set to expand eligibility for mpox vaccines on Saturday, with the first shots under the program to be administered as early as next Friday. An additional 10,000 vials of the vaccine are due to arrive in early April. The CDC says it will announce more details on how to register for a vaccine next week. The four cases announced on Friday were residents in Taipei, New Taipei, Xinzhu, and Yunlin. So far, Taiwan has recorded 12 cases of mpox, that's seven local cases and five imported cases. New technology is opening up new options for medical training. 
Some of that tech is on display at Chang'eng Memorial Hospital's new surgery training center. Doctors can practice surgical procedures using VR equipment and can link up with doctors in other countries online through video and software links. The hospital said it hopes the new center will cultivate local talent and encourage more international medical students to study in Taiwan. A doctor interacts with a device that simulates endoscopic surgery. The system faithfully recreates the complexities of the procedure. We can have five to ten medical students learning the procedure at the same time online. They can learn from each other or test each other's knowledge. Chang'eng Memorial Hospital built a surgery training and research center over the course of two years at a cost of 700 million NT. The center helps prepare doctors to respond to circumstances that may arise during surgery and offers plenty of space for training. There are 24 operating tables that instructors can use to train students. The hospital says it hopes to provide the best environment possible for instructors to pass on their knowledge and experience. Chang'eng says the large training space provides all the equipment needed to prepare doctors before they head into the operating room. They can practice procedures and interact online with medical students and doctors, both at home and abroad. We will offer different training for each specialty. That way, the training process can address the needs of all doctors, from young resident physicians to senior resident physicians, and even young attending physicians. All can get very complete training. Chang'eng hopes its new surgery training center will help cultivate the skills of domestic surgeons and also attract foreign doctors to study in Taiwan. On the center's opening day, students from 22 countries including Japan, South Korea and Malaysia attended a demonstration virtually through the internet. A special event next month will see pets and their owners ride freely on the Taipei Metro. Currently, pets must be kept in cages whenever they go on the Metro, but some think that should change. Taipei MRT is mulling over a more relaxed policy, so to celebrate International Pet Day, Taipei Metro will let animals ride in special pets' carriages with just a lead. Spaces are extremely limited for the special journey on April 9th. If you'd like to hold your cat in your lap as you ride along the MRT line, you'd better grab a seat quick. Right now, if you want to take a pet onto Taipei Metro, it needs to be put in a carrier. But just for one day on April 9th, Taipei Metro will open up special carriages for both pets and owners to amble freely on board. Normally, if you spend too long on the Metro, the animals start to feel unhappy. If I could let them out and they could move around freely, I think they'd be much happier. 30 sets of tickets will go on sale for four pets' carriages. Up to four people and two pets can join each ticket set. The animals need to be in a harness and on a lead for the whole journey, which will run from Shangxian Station to Yuanshan Station. But some pet owners are concerned that gathering too many animals together in one carriage could lead to altercations. Dogs aren't always like humans. They might not get along. What if they start fighting? When pets and their owners ride in the pet's carriage together, the owners can take their animals out of the cage or buggy and hold them in their laps or let them sit on the metro seats to experience riding the metro together. We will gather more feedback from this trial event, which we will use to evaluate whether or not to institute this policy regularly. 
The Taipei Rapid Transit Corporation says that pet railings will be used in the trial to separate dogs and cats. There will also be a professional pet trainer on board, ready to step in and support if any animals get into a hairy situation. The third stage of the tour to Taiwan took place on Wednesday, a 154.5-kilometer route with views of rural Taiwan with a distinctly Hakka flair. Racers set off from Xinzhu High Speed Rail Station and biked across Miaoli to finish up in Taizong. Winding roads made it a highly technical stage, but it was also an opportunity for racers to get acquainted with local Hakka culture. Wearing traditional Hakka garments and holding up oil paper umbrellas and fans, the performers break into dance. The Hakka Affairs Council brought these dancers here to cheer on the participants of the Tour de Taiwan. A group of young dancers also put on an exciting show. Holding up gigantic tongue blossoms and wearing outfits featuring Hakka flower patterns, the kids give it their all. Their efforts are to show the beauty of the third stage of the Round the Island Tour, called Taiwan Romantic Route 3. Today is the Taiwan Romantic Route 3 stage. All foreign participants agree that it was a very challenging stage. At the same time, its path has a lot of cultural elements. This third stage of the Tour de Taiwan was arranged by the Hakka Affairs Council in collaboration with Xinzhu County, Miaoli and Taichung. The race kicked off at 9am on Tuesday from Xinzhu High Speed Rail Station and ended in Taichung Shigang Visitor Information Center. The stage was 154.5 kilometers long and is the only one in the tour that runs across several cities and counties. With its views of the beautiful countryside and with Hakka elements dotting the place, it was an opportunity for cyclists to experience the warmth of Hakka locals. The scenery along the route I think is better than that of the other stages. We're showing the beauty of Hakka villages to the whole world, offering our warmth to participants from every country. The Hakka Affairs Council brought together 15 towns, 22 middle and elementary schools, and more than 3,000 locals to put on rest stations with a Hakka flair. All for racers to enjoy the views of the third stage of the race while getting acquainted with the beauty of Hakka villages and their people. Today, we take you to meet Jose Fernandez, founder and chef of a Peruvian restaurant who came to Taiwan from Peru 20 years ago. His love for his home country and Taiwan inspired him to open a restaurant in Taipei where he cooks up authentic Peruvian dishes all by himself. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to him to find out more. At this restaurant, you can eat classic Peruvian dishes, such as Peruvian pickle chicken. Peruvian pickle chicken is served with smoky char-grilled chicken, quinoa rice, and fresh stir-fried vegetables with a generous helping of spices on the side. The chicken is grilled in a charcoal oven that is over 200 kilograms. That oven made the journey all the way from Peru to Taiwan. Peruvian grilled chicken has 15 kinds of marinades, all of which are stuffed in, including red wine and chili, and more. And then it takes 4 to 5 hours to marinate, and 6 hours in summer. We use a charcoal oven to give it more taste. 
when you go to Peru, you must eat ceviche and grilled chicken. There's also Peru's national dish, ceviche. Fresh fish marinated in lemon juice, spiced with onions and chili peppers. It took Fernandez quite some time to decide on which type of fish to use for the ceviche. He finally chose cobia. There are a lot of fish in Taiwan, but I wanted to find fish suitable to make ceviche, and not just random fish. It must have the right taste. I didn't know what kind of fish to use at first. I went to the market to see. I think the taste is very important. Tilapia meat is delicious, but I don't like the taste very much. I decided to buy cobia, and I'm very happy about that. Taiwanese people like cobia very much. The owner of the restaurant, Jose Fernandez, is from Peru. After marrying a Taiwanese woman, the two moved to Taiwan together. At first, he taught salsa dance, but after teaching for 10 years, he wanted to try something new. Since he loves cooking and also missed food from Peru, he decided to open a Peruvian restaurant. His store is one of the very few Peruvian restaurants in Taiwan. When you guys learn to Taiwan, when I first got to know Taiwan, people always asked me, "What should I eat when I go to Peru?" You can eat ceviche, saltado, seco. They don't know what to eat there. They go there to eat food for foreigners like pasta and pizza. They have never eaten Peruvian food. So I wanted to cook very famous Peruvian dishes so that Taiwanese can eat Peruvian dishes here, then go to Peru knowing what to eat. Peru is more than 17,000 kilometers away. Before his patrons have the opportunity to visit Peru, Fernandez hopes to give them a taste of his home country right here in Taiwan. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Hen in Taipei.